It's showtime. Don't say it, please. Don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime. It's showtime, everybody. Showtime. And welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. It's been uh, quite a while since my last update, a last kind of Oscars recap of, well, of course, the the Academy Awards. And, you know, I know I haven't been very diligent with the podcast lately. It's been uh, quite a while, quite a couple of months, I should say. You know, I uh, spent some time in Chicago and then I got pneumonia. That's pretty fun. Right? I, uh, I'm not sure if you can actually hear it right now. I still have a bit of a sniffle, bit of a little bit of a cough. And, you know, it's, a, it's not always the easiest uh, to manage. But, of course, when you have a cough and you're sniffling and so on, it, uh, of course, makes life difficult for podcasting. And pneumonia can last up to a month, I have learned. It's pretty wild, honestly. I've never had pneumonia before. I've never had a, an illness that lasted longer than a week. So, I mean, of course... Good for me until now, but anyway, so that is the reason for my delayed absence. I'm back now, and you know what? With me are the summer movies. It's uh, it's uh, May 1st, you know, it's May 1st today, and with May, as I've spoken about on this podcast before, with May comes all the summer blockbusters, right? There's so many movies coming out. Detective Pikachu is coming out next week. Long Shot, which is a comedy, is actually coming out in a couple of days. There are lots of, com- you know, th- that's, that's of course, just the movies in the next literally 10 days, essentially, right? Because I believe Detective Pikachu comes out on May 10th. Now, the biggest movie, I believe, of the year in terms of box office revenue is, of course, Avengers Endgame. Okay, and I'm, t- I'm going to say this right now. All the content on Avengers Endgame and this episode and the next mini-sode, if you want to call that, are going to contain spoilers. Okay, there are spoilers in this podcast and the next podcast. If you have not seen Avengers Endgame and you wish to remain unspoiled, I suggest you, uh, let's say, not listen to this episode. <laughs> Maybe listen to or read, perhaps, my review on okcool.ca or listen to some other Endgame podcasts. There are lots of really good ones out there. And if you listen to this one, I, I thank you for that because there's a plethora of podcasts to always choose from. But I wanted to try something a little different and get some fan reactions, some fan thoughts from people who are well-spoken and have something to say about Avengers Endgame. So in this episode, I decided to go back to the well with a tried-and-true source of information for pop culture and comic book movies that we've had on the podcast before. So I figured it was a good place to start. So here's my conversation from a few days ago with my friend Mark Stanush. So Mark... Of course, this time we're talking about another Marvel movie. You've come in to talk about a lot of superhero movies with me, and I think it seems fitting that you're in to talk about uh, Avengers Endgame. Of course, it's the, as, as most people know, is the culmination of 22 movies. I believe this is the 22nd movie in over since, I believe, 2008, which is when Iron Man came out. And, you know, here we are, right? Here, here we are. I, after seeing it, you know, the, the Marvel movies are still going to continue. There's still Spider-Man Far From Home is coming out later this year. And, of course, you know, we have Black Panther 2, Doctor Strange 2, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. These films are all on the horizon and will continue the stories that everyone seems to know and love. But Avengers Endgame is as close to, as the title suggests, an end to the story as... 
as I think you can possibly get. And I wanted to get your initial thoughts. And you know what? Before we go any further, we'll just say that this will be a spoiler-filled review. I think anyone listening to this episode of Showtime uh, has probably seen the movie because, you know what, you can't really, wa- you can't really watch, write, or talk about this movie with, uh, without really discussing the spoilers and to some extent. So we'll just say this is a uh, spoiler-filled review from now. But yeah, your thoughts. It was satisfying ending. A very, very satisfying ending, almost to the extent... You mentioned all these other movies are in the works, but like I would have been okay. I almost would have been okay if they weren't, but of course they're not going to stop the money-making train as it is now. And I, I think what was so impressive for this movie was the fan service that they were able to kind of give to all of the 21 movies that came before it. There's a theme that I always talk about when we are on this is could you watch this if you didn't see the previous movies how tied is this is 100 percent tied to like not just infinity war but other ones i think you would have a a hard time watching this movie like even if you've seen all the other ones and you did not see infinity war i think you might have a bit of a hard time at least in the immediacy understanding what was going on yes i would say like required almost required for this is infinity war avengers one to to a lesser extent like there's a lot of times they revisit Thor Dark World, which is I, like I was the shocked, worst. Honestly. Yeah, that, that might be the, wor- the worst Marvel movie, which I yes. think is kind of funny. I would think you'd have to have seen Guardians to appreciate yep. this and almost more than appreciate it to understand it a little bit, right? I think like I, I always use my wife Amelia as an example. I think she would legitimately be lost a little bit. And though, um, you know, she's smart enough to, it is still in essence a comic book movie and a kid's right. movie. She's smart enough to catch along, but... This movie was was a lot of fan service, and as much as that sometimes irks me, it just felt appropriate this time. It just felt like it really was a reward for doing our homework, as yeah. we've said before on on Mike. Yeah, I I feel like Endgame is probably and you, you, fan service. I think is the best possible word. I, I tweeted about this after I saw it that it's basically fan service the movie, and that and that essentially it's. It's almost like a best of Marvel, right? There are so many moments, and it, because here's the thing about Endgame that I that I kind of felt is that Endgame is not a great movie because in, ter- in terms of in terms of coherent plot and character development and all that stuff, like none of that stuff really happens in this movie, partially because it doesn't really need to happen, right? You basically just tune into this movie to see how they undo trillions of people getting getting like snapped away and how they kick Thanos' butt, right? There, There is no real character development for any, virtually any character, right? Because, you know, we're, going, we're talking about spoilers, so, you know, the, bi- the two biggest spoilers of this movie are that Iron Man dies at the end of the movie, and Captain America, I guess, ages out, right? He, he just lives his life, he ages out, and we, we can get into the time travel specifics in a little bit, but in terms of Iron Man making the big sacrifice, the point, like, he didn't just arrive at that point in Avengers Endgame, right? He didn't arrive at that point even in Infinity War. I would say he arrived at that point probably in in Avengers 1 back in 2012, right? I mean, that movie ends with him flying a nuke into, like, space or something and then sacrificing himself. And then ever since then, it's been him dealing with the fallout of that and then trying to atone for that, right? And I think in that sense, I think Avengers Endgame is not a movie that really deals with character development or plot moving forward. It's just one vignette one cool vignette loosely connected to another cool vignette loosely connected to another 
until the movie ends. Incredibly, and that, and, and yeah, that's yeah. and that's fine with me. I, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that because, like you said, this is basically. I, I almost feel like it would be appropriate to describe this as a love letter from Marvel Studios to the fans. And look, we're recording this on the Monday, the the Monday after opening weekend. This movie has already made worldwide $1.2 billion. It's made 350 mil domestically, meaning in North America, and then the rest was made overseas, which is just astronomical. I think the, 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 the record it beat was Infinity War, and it beat it by like $700 million. That's, that's astounding. It is insane. Just to go back to, you mentioned the spoilers, if I can right. just talk yeah, about do it. the big moment, which I guess is Iron Man's death. One, the moment, I, I'm not trying to come from some sort of like stance of, oh, I, I saw it coming, I'm so right. smart, but it, it was one thing that was hinted at kind of throughout the movie, which I think was kind of an obvious, it almost had to happen at points, but in a movie where sometimes there were some predictable beats, right. for example, N- Natasha being the one to sacrifice herself for the Soul Stone, the movie had a lot of surprises along the way, and I, and I, I think that it, it really was the journey as much as it was the conclusion, because there are movies coming up. We knew they were going to win. Yeah, of course. But I just wanted to push back on that character development thing because okay. I liked the development a little bit within Iron Man and a development that you could only really see through the the, the five-year time jump. Because when we talk about surprises, that was the big surprise for me. The that Thanos the fi- is the kill- five-year jump. That Thanos right. is killed as quickly as he was and then the five-year time jump. And okay. I loved the time jump. I think it was super necessary. And to see him be as um, Pepper kind of said to be the lucky, to be one of the lucky ones, right? They, she did, they did not lose each other. They found a life. They seem to have found their happiness. And for Tony to seem to be at peace, but to, to be at this revelation and to, and to, you know, just realize that he knows he can fix it. And that interaction didn't quite go the same way as I thought when he was telling Pepper, that he had kind of, I, I thought she was going to fight back a little bit more and be like, right. you don't have to do this. We've had this. But there was this this kind of mutual understanding that it's something that he had to do. And as someone who's maybe not the biggest Iron Man fan, I don't say that I don't like the character. I think, you know, the movies have done him a ton of uh, good. He was never as popular nearly before the movies. I thought... But he, he, he had been nominated for an Oscar even before Iron Man ever came out. Not the actor, sorry. Iron Man, the character. Strictly in terms of a comic book seller. Sure, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I thought that this whole thing being a satisfying arc for to him, it, it definitely worked. It definitely gave me an emotional impact. Um, something that, you know, I'm looking for in a movie like this. And even though it wasn't shocking, I was very satisfied with how his character arc throughout this movie because he was the only character to me that like you said a lot of these characters have already been developed he was the only one who did have a couple twists and turns as the movie went on and i thought that uh, he was very much the main character which is hard to do in a movie with such an ensemble cast. That's, okay, that's yeah. fair. And, and you know what? I will go back a little bit on what I said because I'm thinking back to all the Iron Man's appearances and he is one of the few characters 
that appears in a whole ton of movies outside of his own movies, right? So if you take away Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, right? You just put those aside for a second. And let's, let's, even, let's even take away Civil War, since that it more or less is... Well, I would say take away know. the Avengers. I think Civil, yeah, sure. you got to count Civil War. You, then, of course, he's in Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah. And, and, he's, and he's a major part of those movies, right? And so you see, you see in Spider-Man his beginning of his relationship with Peter, right? You see the same thing in Ultron. You see the same thing in his relationship and how that evolves with Captain America and Civil War, right? And I think, I guess what I'm saying is, his, I guess the reason I, I kind of look past Endgame is because in all of those movies we just mentioned, he gets a little bit of character development, right? Like, he, 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 he's resp- he becomes a bit of a father figure to Peter, right? He gets married to Peter, uh, to, well, he gets engaged to, um, to uh, Pepper at the end of Spider-Man, right? Or it's implied, I suppose, yeah. right? You see his relationship with Happy. You see his relationship with all these other kind of secondary characters, um, uh, Don Cheadle's character, Rhodey, right, War Machine. You see all these things happen over the course of several movies, and I guess it, it, it's so incremental that when it finally gets to the point it is in Endgame, it doesn't really feel like a lot has happened in Endgame itself, right? It feels like some of it happened even in Infinity War, but I suppose that's maybe doing a bit of disservice because I suppose Infinity War and Endgame are more or less the same movie like it's a, it's just like if you yeah. want to combine them into one like five hour movie or five and a half hour movie that's probably not, go to the bathroom you know. before you get into that one but yeah. uh, <laughs> take a bit of an intermission yes for yeah. sure i feel like for in avengers endgame one of the you mentioned fan service right and i think that is the part of this movie that it does better than any other marvel movie before it right like it has so many large moments at every aspect of the movie right you mentioned Th- thanos been getting killed off the bat, big surprise. People gasped in the theater when that happened, right? Even the, sorry to interrupt you, but even yeah, the yeah. line right there where it's like, what did you do? I went for the head. That's a callback to Infinity Absolutely, War yeah. where it, when he wasn't able to get to Thanos just in time because he went for the chest or whatever, right? Like little things like that. Um, and those are the fan services uh, that I love, right? The ones that that will not confuse my wife. The ones that just give that extra little bit of appreciation for the the the, the giant fans who you know, you know, have watched all the movies. So, I, th- that stuff is awesome. Let me ask you this then: what what is what was your favorite fan service moment from Avengers Endgame? If you had to pick just one, if you had to pick just one big audi- pause for applause mo- moment in Endgame that the directors clearly put in for the audience members, if you had to pick just one, what was your favorite one? It was revisiting the 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 battle from Avengers One. It was okay. that. It was bringing that set piece because I'm I've always been someone who's been like you know before Avengers I I watched all the the Marvel movies again before Avengers two I think I watched all of them again right. including, and then before Infinity War I was like I'm gonna watch just this l- most recent phase right right um, this time I was like I don't have the time I'm gonna watch Infinity War but I I almost regretted being like well, I should have rewatched Avengers one and. You know, this is an Avengers movie, and as much as you know, Tony becomes a, you know such a, a focal point. The the little you know from the Hulk, the idea of Hulk doing the smashing just for the sake of smashing those right. little funny bits, um, I thought that was awesome. The the for them to to reward people for almost knowing where the the real, where all the stones were at different times when they're trying to figure it out in the in the boardroom yeah, yeah. it almost felt like i was there like kind of you know wishing i could like you know remind them and they all came to i thought that was really cool and it was just you know 
having the characters remember this stuff at the same time the audience does and it really culminating in one of the the true first giant iconic Marvel Cinematic Universe battle that was the first invasion in New York. That was my favorite fan service moment. I think I, I gotta admit one of my favorite funny parts and perhaps unintentionally funny was that Thor 2 The Dark World was so unmemorable that even the Avengers needed to be reminded what happened in that movie. Like, that was hilarious. Thor is sitting there. I mean, of course, he was doing it in, in, in what seems to now be Chris Hemsworth's more kind of uh, go-to acting bit, right? He seems to be kind of a self-deprecating kind of humor, which I think suits him. He's clearly very good at it. Yeah. I think he's very entertaining. And I look forward to seeing it. We'll say what you will about Men in Black International, but I, I, if, they, if they keep that kind of humor for that series, I think it'll be that much better. But anyway, so go back to Avengers... He's he's up there, kind of looking like the Big Lebowski, explaining, explaining all these different things, and I just I couldn't help but laugh because that is easily the most unmemorable Marvel movie. Maybe maybe up there with the uh, the uh, Edward Norton Hulk movie, perhaps. But and as my brother had was starting, uh, my brother David, who's been a, a guest on the show, was kind of um, positing like. Ant-Man versus the Wasp is kind of up there. As much as I enjoyed it, he was, like, reminding me about details of it. I was like, I don't remember this movie as well as... Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah, even though yeah. I had seen it pretty recently. But Thor Dark World, I remember you did your tier list. It was at the very bottom, yeah. rightfully so. Um, but I, it kind of surprised me. As someone who thinks he's a huge Marvel fan, I kind of... I forgot the Ether was the power... Uh, the Ether and the Power Stone were, were the mm-hmm. same thing. Um, kind of, I was very confused with the Tesseract and the cube. I kind of thought they were one, my brother obviously reminded me that it was that, um, Thanos actually gave Loki a stone in order to get the other stone, stone, little things like that. But what the movie did was so good at jogging your memory, right? Like, and you mentioned that, that they, they knew when they needed to push. And when I say push, give a little bit more exposition and they were able to do it in such a funny way with that Thor explanation is a great example. No movie and Marvel is so good at this, but this movie was them at their best being able to find the comedy despite some of the darkest, most dire situations that yeah, are surrounding yeah. these characters. And it did it so... And I thought Infinity War also was one of the best at this. It did it so aptly. It was very impressive, I thought. I thought, I thought Infinity War was a little bit of a better movie, if only because it had, to, it had to show you Thanos getting all the stones. There was a very there was a clear arc in getting from point A to point B. And I think, I also think when, anytime you, 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 you engage with time travel, and then I think this still to this day, I think people are still a little wrestling with it because, you know, we as pop culture consumers have struggled with uh, or have, have perhaps uh, accepted that Back to the Future's way of time travel, you go, like something happens in the present, then you go back in the, in the past, affects the present, which then, of course, affects the future, and it's all tied together. I think that's kind of like the accepted version of pop culture time travel, right? And, and they then, push back a little then, bit, which yeah, is funny. And the, yeah, and, and the Avengers Endgame basically basically goes out of its way to say specifically that Back to the Future is BS, right? Yeah. And pretty much every other time travel story. And I think they clearly did that basically so they could do whatever the hell they want, right? Which is, which is fine with me. I have no problem with that. I mean, you're already, we're, we're here, we're, where are we are where we are, right? In terms, of, in terms of having crazy things happen. So what's one more little thing like time travel, I guess, right? I, one thing that the time travel brought up for me was, and I talked about this with you on your podcast about Disney Plus, right? And we talked about the three series that Marvel is going to be putting over. Oh my god! So I don't know what WandaVision is going to be about, honestly, Nick, because Vision was one of the very few characters that has not been brought back from the dead. I also never liked their chemistry as much as the movie wanted me to. 
I also, quite frankly, you know, uh, frankly, I don't feel bad for Wanda. Vision wasn't a person. Take that, Wanda. He was he was a robot. <laughs> Drop make the another mic. one. Take that, <laughs> make, vi- make take that Wanda. Another vision. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like for the other two, right? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I don't know what Loki's new series is called. Maybe it's just called Loki, the the Demon of Mischief or whatever, a God of Mischief. But Loki's uh, new show, if I had to guess, doesn't actually take place. Uh, in 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 like in the in reality, right? It takes place. I'm using I'm using in a different branch. Here. Yeah, it yeah. takes place in one of these branching timelines because, as we know, in Avengers Endgame, when they go back to 2012, they create they they in essence create an alternate timeline where Loki gets the Tesseract back after being defeated at the Battle of New York and uses it to teleport away to parts unknown. So I gotta imagine that that is what his his new TV show is about in this new alternate branching reality. And honestly. I, I'm okay with that. I'm almost a little bit excited because, once again, a recurring theme is how I, I, I think that sometimes these, these movies can become bogged down in themselves. And I was so happy, and I loved your podcast on it. You did a great one on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, which is maybe, like, I, I hate to be hype. hype. I, I mean, I'm not really a person at the moment. I've watched it a couple of times. It is one of my favorite movies, period. And I, I would say... I, I, do th- I will, without hesitation... I, I would say it is maybe, if not the best, it is a top three comic book movie ever. Of any comic movie ever made. And I like I would say, if, if you want to even go further than that, I would say that at the Oscars last year, the best movie that was at the Oscars was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. For me, move It could have won Best yeah. Picture, and I would have been fine with that. Move over Lion King. Like, this is, it was my easily my favorite, uh, my favorite anime movie of all time. And I would, this is actually up there. As a competitor, but my favorite comic book movie of all time, where it stands in all movies, we'll talk. But back to my point is, I think being free from the the constraints of the cinematic universe is is a great place to be to breed creativity. Sure. And I think, um, especially in TV, where you got to go more than just an hour, two hours, two and a half, if three hours, if you're Marvel, <laughs> you 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 definitely can benefit from not having to adhere to the rules and laws that are created in this now 22 film universe, right? And I think one of the cool things, too, that the time travel bit brings up is that if they wanted to, they would have to contrive a reason to do so. But if they wanted to, in the future, let's say like five, six, seven years down the line, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. could come back and they could, like, you know what I mean? Like, they could easily travel back in time to before Iron Man dies and ask, get Tony's help on something. He, like, fixes some gadget for them and they travel back to the future, right? Or they get, like, they travel back to the, the back in time and get the super soldier serum. Or I might have to ask new, Robert Downey Jr.'s agent about this, but... But you know what I mean? <laughs> He'll be like, like 50 million. <laughs> We're asking for a two-minute cameo. He's like, 50 million. 50 million, that's, that, the that's the price. Yeah, Disney, <laughs> whatever. Disney, I'm sure, after making 1.2 billion in... Uh, over essentially four days, I feel like they they might be willing well, to pay up. What if Lion King, Aladdin, and Toy Story Four are all busts? Oh, oh wait, man. they're probably all going to probably sniff a billion. Aladdin may be the one that's up in the air, in my opinion. But I think Lion King and Toy Story Four are like very, very much in the realm of making a billion. So Spider Man: Far From Home. I don't know if it'll get it to a billion, but probably I've pro- probably forgot. close. What? A, what? A, Star Wars oh, later like, later this year. You know, like I like considering where we're at right now. If Disney doesn't get to like seven or eight billion dollars in total revenue, even even with Dumbo already having been a bust, and it still made like six seven seven hundred million dollars. You know, like it's it's kind of wild to think about, honestly. But uh, here, I want to I want to do want to wrap up, and I'll, I want to leave you on this. With Spider-Man Far From Home being the next Marvel movie coming out in July, and the trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home was kind of... It seems to have been intentionally 
uh, let's say, obscuring the details of what happened in Avengers Endgame. And we know it takes place after Avengers Endgame. It's been it's been the five years. Thanos has been defeated. Even we even see Peter at the end of Endgame going back to school. So clearly they 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 you know continue to. Uh, they continue to just live their lives, I suppose, right? I want to say that in Spider-Man Far From Home, we'll get a, a bit of a, a bit of a, perhaps, a bit of a, perhaps, hint as to where the MCU is going next. Because they've said, they kind of kind of gone back and forth on this, kind of weirdly enough, Kevin Feige, who is the kind of head honcho at Marvel Studios, has said that Endgame is the end of the arc, and that Spider-Man Far From Home is the kind of jumping off point for the next phase, maybe not phase is the wrong word now, but next arc of movies. And when you get to a point in Endgame where you see giant portals opening and teleporting people in from all over the universe, and armies fighting Thanos' army in like upstate New York, and you have all this crazy stuff happening... It, it almost feels that not only can they not top that, but they, they do they even want to top that, right? So I feel like they'd almost have to get a, a bit of a more grounded next phase that takes place perhaps solely on Earth because, I mean, what's the point when you can just have Captain Marvel come in and, and just like wreck people for half an hour and the problem will be solved, right? So I feel like the next version of Thanos, right, the next big bad probably has to be someone a little more grounded. And we touched upon this before. I still think it's going to be Norman Osborn. Maybe it's Dr. Doom going forward. I wanted to get what your, your opinion on this as we wrap up. I honestly think Norman Osborn would be the 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 obvious choice and a great launching like point if it is Spider-Man. But you mentioned something about them grounding it a little bit. And I think they've had success if you look at ant-man and some of the other movies about having like smaller scale stories and smaller scale stakes in some points uh being able to kind of give them the ability to create a compelling story that doesn't have to live up to what happened before it right um and my concern you talk about kind of where it goes next is as much as i loved the five-year time gap time jump it creates the same issues that I've been harking on since you've had me on the podcast about being connected to these other movies. You see in the in the end of the endgame, you see Peter return to school and he sees his friend and they hug or whatever, you know. Now we have to presume that his friend Ned would also have been had to have been vanished because yeah, yeah. You know, otherwise one would be older and they're at high school and I guess everyone there is either a student who's gone on or was a lot of their high school friends were zapped. Like that does become quite like confusing. Yeah, it does yeah. become muddied. And I think that they are, there is a challenge. And I said from the very beginning, first thing I said is I would be happy if this was the end, almost in a way, as much as I would miss these movies and as much as I love Spider-Man and all this, I think this is a satisfying conclusion of the universe. I think they, they are at a difficult task with distancing themselves from this. They, they want to, and I think the five-year gap, um, as much as, you know, it, it kind of creates this bog down, maybe they need another gap. Maybe they need, to, there's something that they need to do to really kind of establish the beginning. And I think uh, a constant big bad like Norman Osborn, who's the Green Goblin, for those who don't know, is... Um, a great way to kind of maybe create a new common thread between movies because he's a prominent figure in New York where a lot of the movies take place. The Avengers Tower is vacated as far as we know yes. in the middle of Manhattan. Yep. Uh, and Osborne, you know, historically has had like a tower. In, so I, I love that idea again. And uh, I am super excited for Spider-Man. He's, he's my favorite. Mysterio is actually like 
I've gone back between kind of the lizard and Mysterio and even Hobgoblin for it, but I love Mysterio as a villain. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is a very competent actor and I'm excited to see how he does. And in a Marvel universe where villains have historically not been um, the best, me and my brother said, let's get the top 10 villains. We basically could not agree on a 10th because I didn't want any of these to be in any top 10 so, list. So where do, you, where do you put Thanos on that list? He has to be number one. Yeah. I think Thanos... I know we're talking just the MCU villains. MCU, not like, yes. Not like other iterations of them, but the MCU versions. Yes. They're, they're iterations. And I, w- I would say he has to be number one um, just because of the stakes. And in preparation of the movie, I, I did something I haven't done in a while. I ordered a comic. So I ordered a Thanos comic. I was did my research. I was like, what is the one I want to read. I mean, at first I was like, do I go Infinity Gauntlet? It's kind of an obvious choice. Right. Uh, there's a recent kind of 2014 Infinity story, which I think was kind of prepping to get the marketing for this going. I ended up going with a smaller one. It was written by Jason Aaron, which is a, a writer that I have a lot of respect for. So okay. I thought, why not? It's called Thanos Rising. Get on Amazon for like 15, 18 bucks or something. Five, right. it seems like a hundred pages, super quick read. And it kind of has me at odds a little bit with what I just said, him being my favorite, because... There's the the idea, even uh, my brother who was kind of filling me on a little bit in Infinity Gauntlet, the idea of this snapping the world into balance, 50-50, mm-hmm. was something that wasn't the prevailing, you know, motive behind this character in the comics. In fact, this Thanos Rising, which is an origin story of this character, you find out without spoilers that he's a little bit more, like, at his core, he he's about killing like that that is in right. his nature as much as he tried to fight it from from birth and all this that that is it deep down and this movie kind of touched upon that a little bit in the end when he says i realize that i can't you know there will always be people that will remember what was happening they will right, appreciate right. that but as much as it you know has stepped away from the comic book a little bit it doesn't make it any less. So as much as I, I recommend the story, I think it does give some insight to it. I think the movie did do a very interesting spin on this character that just from his physical imposing, you know, force of nature that he is, and of course what he did, wiping out half the world's population, it's impossible not to just put him on the pedestal as the best. And I am so glad that I got to see what I kind of wanted to see, and I think a lot of people wanted to see from the beginning of Infinity War, how would the Avengers fare against Thanos without the stones? Yeah. Right? And that was something that, you know, you see, Hulk, my, my brother and I talked about this. I keep mentioning him. Hulk and you see Thanos fight at the beginning of Infinity War. Right. And people are like, would Hulk been able to beat him alone? It's like, well, Thanos beat him and he didn't even really use the Infinity Stones yeah, that he, yeah. he did have at that time. He had the one stone. So it was cool to see how it all came together. That final fight scene was unforgettable. Um, and I think Thanos in a universe where villains have, you know, not always been as popular as the heroes have been Thanos. I thought the, the decisions they decided to make added a little bit of depth to him that almost makes him exceed what was in the comics in a way. At first I was hesitant. He was different, but there's actually something about saying that he could be better than that. So I think this is the, the new, you know, prime villain for marvel and it's going to be hard to top that it will definitely be a a challenging task yeah i mean they because they've been building up thanos for so 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 very long even if he wasn't actually physically present in a lot of the films his the specter of thanos has been 
kind of, you know, we, the audience, have have been, ever since they introduced the the prospect of the Infinity Stones, we ourselves have been uh, kind of wondering about it, right? So I think think they've done a good job. I think they've uh, done a a great job of building up Thanos and then having him deliver on the promise. And you know what? I'm look. I look forward to seeing what's next. Whether it's Norman Osborn, I still think that a great. And who who knows if this is actually what they do? Because I, I I definitely think that Marvel delights in subverting the expectations of fans. But you know, if if it's Norman Osborn, if perhaps you know there was that scene in Endgame where Rocket says that when this when he snaps his fingers, you see the wave of energy kind of go around the the planet. I can't help but think that maybe. That wave of energy might be a great way for Kevin Feige to introduce the X-Men or the X-Gene. Maybe it'll be a good way for them to introduce the Fantastic Four. Maybe Doctor Doom is involved in that somehow. Like, those those, th- those three characters, plus Norman Osborn, but let's leave Osborn out, out of it for a second. Doom, the, the group of X-Men as a whole, and the Fantastic Four are, I think, the the last major parts of the Marvel Universe that have just not been explored at all because of, of course, the rights being owned by Fox, and now Fox was bought out by Disney, and it's it's going to be, as Kevin Fedge says, uh, some years until they're even begun to be incorporated, but clearly they wanted to start laying the seeds for this now, and even if they retcon it into saying the snap introduced the X-Gene, or when Tony undoes the snap, or whatever, whatever you want to say, that, that energy introduces random mutations in the people. I think that could be a great way to introduce the X-Men without really having to jump through leaps of logic and, and, and that kind of thing. I think that's that idea of the X-Men, that's a great way for them to use their lean on what has happened in the past and use the cinematic universe to help them and advance and maybe skip some origins, if you know what yeah, I mean. Exactly, right. Yeah. And, and I, I love that because Marvel has proven that they can they, that they are not prisoners of their past movies, but they can, you know, use them. And of course, like we said at the beginning, this is the prime example of this. This combination, if you're gonna watch it, if you haven't I mean, this is spoilers, this was this was for the fans. You said it best. Mark, I appreciate you coming on to talk about uh, Avengers Endgame with me. And uh, where can people find you on Twitter if they want to interact with you more about your opinions on comic book movies? You could inter- uh, interact with me on Twitter at Mark Stanush. The last name is spelled S-T-A-N-I-U-S-Z. And you can hear my thoughts kind of very much about the merger you just talked about with Fox. Uh, something that happened about a year ago when the, it was first announced that it was a possibility. We, we spoke about it on my podcast, Pod Drop. And uh, we revisited it recently, and I'm just about to release the episode uh, where uh, myself, you, and my brother Dave that I've mentioned got together to kind of talk about Disney Plus and how it's becoming the the first real competitor to Netflix. And, of course, bringing in a lot of the stuff we talked about, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that it's getting their own spinoff show. So if you're a fan of show or a fan of uh, this topic at all, definitely please check out Pod Drop. That was me in conversation with my friend Mark Stanush of Poddrop. Yes, please do check out Poddrop if you get the chance. Uh, it's a pretty engaging podcast, not just because I've been on a couple of episodes. You know, we, we, we got, to, got around to talking about some interesting subjects. We talked about streaming services, both for video games and for movies and television shows, such as Netflix and Disney Plus and Crave and Hulu and so on. Of course, uh, Mark does this pretty interesting thing with Poddrop where you he kind of has his own little essay-like intro for every topic where he gives his thoughts and then he brings in, you know, someone to talk to with, with him about it, whether it's a roundtable discussion or a one-on-one interview. 
uh, where they kind of banter about these issues that they just, you know, kind of expand on what he solo talked about, right? So, you know, it's a pretty interesting way to do things. And if you're interested in getting talking more about pop culture and technology and video games and, you know, that kind of thing, then uh, I I definitely uh, recommend Poddrop. Now, uh, for my own podcast, yes, that was a bit of a commercial for Podrop, but for my podcast, for the Showtime Movie Podcast, we'll be continuing with the Avengers Endgame discussion next week. I have another episode coming out next week. We'll be coming out probably on Monday or Tuesday, hopefully, and then we will be, get, be getting back into strict reviews. I, re- I mentioned off the top, Longshot, Detective Pikachu. Uh, those movies will all be coming to an episode very soon, and I wanted to try something a little different. I said that again about this kind of, you know, I'm all about trying different things, right? I want to, I tried that kind of intro thing when we were doing TIFF, right? We're having these kind of mini-sodes, right? So I want to try something different when we get a little deeper into the summer. I want, And, of course, the summer is known for action movies, blockbuster movies. So I want to try a little mini-series on action movies. We're going to talk about, talk with guests, reviewers, critics, my friends, certainly. I mean, people who work here at the station and so on about to get their takes on what the best action movie of all time is. I have some thoughts of myself on it, but we'll get some thoughts from, from other people as well. It'll be a fun little project. We kind of sprinkle in with the regular episodes here and there over the summer. Okay. But for now, you've been listening to the Showtime movie podcast. I'm back. We'll be back more regularly as intended every other week. So until then, thank you so much for listening and have a great night.